0: Thanks for being with us and welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, TownAndCountrySolutions.com or you can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. We're honored to have you with us. You can follow the show on Twitter, Vimeo, Facebook, Instagram, whatever is your favorite social media platform, at BTG Program. You can also check out our website, btgprogram.com. We want to wish you and your family a very happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Beyond the Game program. This first segment was part of the broadcast done just a couple of weeks ago on the 10th of December. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. So glad you have joined the many people of Spring, Texas in tuning into the program. Those good folks outside Houston and northern Harris County have made us their favorite faith-based sports program originating out of Rochester, New York, and I hope you will too. You can get the podcast, replay anything you may have missed at our website, btgprogram.com. Now you can even watch the program on Vimeo, although you should be warned that we do have faces ideally suited for radio. The Beyond the Game programs brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Have a pest problem? Give those good folks a call. 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. There are a lot of people who have no real interest in sports. I wonder what those people debate about with one another. Maybe it's the latest movies, trendy TV shows, perhaps what, Coffee spot is the coolest to hang out in. All things which, like sports, at the end of the day, you know, it really doesn't matter much. With our nation in the midst of a presidential transition, many people are debating on politics. And, of course, that's a lot more important, isn't it? More things are at stake than just wins and losses. But people get so angry. They get so bitter. I, you know, I'm sure like you... You know, I have my views, I have my opinions, but I'm not always real comfortable talking about them outside of certain circles of people that I trust. People get too fired up. They get too angry. And more and more, it seems they've lost the ability to disagree respectfully. That's one of the things I I, I like about sports. You know, it's fun to discuss. It's interesting to observe how people formulate their opinions and the perspectives on which they base those opinions. Plus, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter that much. It's just a game. If, for example, you've determined in your mind that the New York Yankees are not the greatest franchise in all of professional sports, well, that's fine. After we finish our discussion, after we've stated our cases, we can part knowing that who cares it doesn't matter but in the last two weeks or so as the college football playoffs have come to the point where they were about to be made the decisions were about to be made about who's in who's out and since those that times that the announcement has come out about who's in who's out i've been involved in a few conversations With people about those teams and about who should have got in and who didn't get in and who is in. And a couple of people in those conversations are just so intense. They get really worked up about it. I've matured enough now that I can identify when somebody's getting to that point where. Uh, It's just best to walk away. It's best to leave the conversation there. Somebody's about to say something really ridiculous or somebody's going to get their feelings hurt. Now, oftentimes, maybe all the time, the actual person that who's getting worked up isn't that person who has enough sense to walk away. So I kind of take them off the hook. I've learned how to do it. But people are passionate about their favorite school, more so than sometimes their wife. They'll let you talk about their wife, but not their school. They're more passionate about their college team than they are their pro teams. They people are really intense over their college teams. I actually saw a person on social media within this last week. They're talking about Penn State and they're just dismissing the sanctions against the school as being silly and ridiculous, vilifying anybody who thought the school should be punished, vilifying anyone who didn't think that Penn State belonged in the playoff bracket, and suggesting that the NCAA has it in for the Nittany Lions. Now here's the thing, you may feel otherwise, which is what really, this is why I prefer debating about sports, because it doesn't, and it really doesn't matter should we end up disagreeing. But I don't think Penn State belongs. I don't think conference championships need to matter or that they should automatically qualify their winning school for the playoff. It, it's, it's tough. Don't look. I don't think they should belong in the playoff. I should reword that. They shouldn't be one of the top four, but I don't think the playoffs should be only four teams. Penn State, make no mistake, is very good. They're very good, but it is hard for me to overlook a loss to a fairly average pit team and a blowout loss, a 39-point loss to Michigan, who is not in the playoff. I, you want to say conference championship? That's fine. We can disagree. I don't think a conference championship should automatically qualify. Now, if you want to do it like the Olympics— and you want to toss out the top score, the bottom score, and, and average everything in the middle, we can do that. You know, you, everybody's got a day where they play better than who they really are, and they typically have a day where they play worse than they, who they really are. I should say everybody not named Alabama, that is. But if you want to throw out either end and take the middle, well, then you'll overlook the loss to Michigan but you're also overlooking the win against Ohio State. And there's still that loss to Pitt, which just, it doesn't look good. Now, I don't think conference championships need to matter because they don't matter matter that much in college basketball. Sure, there's the automatic bids that mean so much to a conference like the Atlantic 10, but in major conferences, enough teams are going to go to the dance that everyone who should will have a chance to play their way through. And in those, cha- in those conferences that are sending an automatic bid, there are years where somebody gets hot, has a good playoff, and the best team gets left home. The best team all season long gets left home because somebody played their way through a tournament. That's why I don't think conference championships really need to matter. Yes, I know, there's always that annual discussion about who gets left out. But let's be real. If we're talking about college basketball and a North Carolina or a Duke has a top 20 season, they're not getting left out. They're going to get in, even if they don't win their conference championship. While there may be teams who do get left out, it's usually because you've taken a weaker team who had an automatic bid. The top teams in the country are still going to be there, which is why I've been a proponent for expanding these playoffs since the beginning. That's why I don't like taking anybody's champion automatically. You're almost certainly you've come across these people who have said that you know each champion from the from the Power Five conferences should be in automatically, but I disagree. I say what if one of those conferences has a down year? The conference offers weaker competition as a whole, or they're, they're, maybe their champion is like a number seven or number eight team, and another conference has two, three, maybe even more. Teams ranked higher, and they have a great year in the, in their conference. Uh, people scream in March. They scream in March that schools like Richmond, Dayton, a Coastal Carolina, they make the tournament while stronger teams who are perhaps sitting on a bubble get left home because there's no more spaces for them. If we're taking the best teams, take the best teams, and conference champions aren't always the best teams. Winning your conference champion winning that championship is a nice honor, no doubt about it, but it doesn't always produce the best team. I'll take a body of work over a single game anytime. time. But keep the conference championships. They're fun. They're exciting. They usually pit a pretty good rivalry together. They're, they're oftentimes they're a rematch of of a game earlier in the year. It's fun. Keep them. It's one more chance for these these players to play for something. It means something to win the SEC championship. It means something to win the Big Ten championship. You're going to send a lot more teams home with a trophy if we're talking about trophies. Send them all home with something to brag about. We won the SEC championship rather than just one team who wins a national championship, but that doesn't mean that they automatically get to go to the playoffs. Besides that, if you're on a team and you need one more good game to present your case as why you should be in the playoffs, well, those conference championships will all, oftentimes will offer that because you're playing against stiffer competition. I say keep the conference championships. They're a lot of fun. I've maintained, as I said, for years, though, that the top, top six, top eight, they should be part of the playoff, not just four. I didn't like it when they first came out with it, and I don't like it now. I do like incorporating the Bulls into that playoff scenario. That was my idea. I want you to know that. In most years, when you get down to number seven, or you get down to number eight, I don't think you're really talking about teams who legitimately have a claim at being number one. You're too far down the pole. I think most years, number five, number six, and this year especially with Penn State and Michigan, those teams have a legitimate chance. Now, look, we're talking about Alabama. Take them out because they just seem to be at a whole nother level. But Penn St- I can see Penn State winning a national championship. I don't think they're a top four, but I do think they have a shot. And, and if the playoffs were right, there would be six teams. This year, depending on your opinion, maybe you do think number seven, number eight. You think teams like Wisconsin have a legitimate claim at number I Personally, I just don't. But the top six almost always can make the case. So I say keep the playoff committee, but expand by two teams. Ah, look, if you really need eight, I can live with that. But give the top two teams a bye and let them figure this thing out on the field. Tell number seven or eight to get a life they don't really belong. But Penn State should be playing in a playoff. But they shouldn't be if you're only taking the four best teams in the country. You know what I haven't heard much of, and maybe you have, is there's a lot of money involved in this thing. There are TV networks that have invested a lot of money in this thing, and the committee needs to and is going to want to keep these people happy. Look, I like Washington. I do. I have a family who went there. I'm going to be rooting for them this year. I think they are very, very, very good. But no, I don't see them as a top-four team either. If you have Alabama, if you have Clemson, Ohio State, and take your pick, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, a large viewing population of our country is going to be left out and quite possibly uninterested, aren't they? We we can't have that. Now, I'm not saying that weighed on the committee's decision, But I doubt it wasn't at least brought up and discussed. It seems like Washington keeps a certain population involved and interested in what's going on in the playoff system. But you know what I do agree with? The people who say the bigger issue is not who got in and who got out. It's why these stupid games are on New Year's Eve. Don't people traditionally have plans? As I've been sharing my thoughts, I'm sure some of you listening have been getting fired up. How could I not think that conference championships matter? How could I not think that Washington or Penn State is a top-four team? I'm sure the hateful emails are already on their way. Listen, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's football. Go love your wife. Go love your husband. Love on your kids. Relax. Bring down your blood pressure. It's just football. Don't be so bitter. Don't be so angry. Why do people embrace their bitterness and hold to it like some sort of sort of ID badge? As if most the most important thing they want you to know about themselves is whatever it is that they're so bitter about. It's sports, man. Check yourself. We hear fans beating up other fans because they wore an opponent's gear to the game. Man, that's so sad. Even if it was more than that, and and the person wearing the opponent's gear was antagonizing, check yourself. Walk away. Be mature enough to get out of that situation. Is going to jail because you put somebody in the hospital over what they were wearing really worth it? I've been to games, and I've seen the interactions between home and away fans— a few years ago, I went to a Bills preseason game with a friend. It was a preseason game. He's from Detroit. It was Bills versus the Lions. His job relocated him. He he had an opportunity to go see the team he rooted for since he was a kid. He paid the same amount as everybody else. Actually, he probably paid more because people give those preseason tickets away. A preseason game, and all kinds of stuff was thrown at him. Ruined a Lions jersey that he was wearing, a, a hoodie, I guess. I mean, it's just pathetic. Bitterness will eat you up inside. Kind of like some of you Bills fans when it comes to the Patriots. Or a lot of people when it comes to the Patriots because of their success. You must have done this. Have you ever bitten a piece of fruit or candy that was really sour? All of a sudden your face muscles contort. They react to the bitterness. You make all kinds of weird and funny faces. That's how a, bitterness, how a person's bitterness appears to those around them. You just kind of get repulsed by it. The fact is, everybody's going to be hurt by another person at one point or another. But the effects of that hurt, it actually escalates when we choose not to move on or, or we choose not to forgive. It drains us of joy. It drains us of happiness. The Bible says in Hebrews twelve fifteen: See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Regardless of the hurt, we must choose to forgive others and just trust God with the rest. One of Satan's strategies is to get believers to be angry and unforgiving to one another. It keeps non-believers from coming around them because they see the bitterness, and it divides churches in half. We get mad, we get resentful, we get hurt. Consider the account of the prodigal son in Scripture. And you can find that in Luke chapter 15. But specifically think about the older brother in this instance. His father was so glad to have his younger brother back home safely. He threw a large celebration. You know, fatted calf and all. The big brother was in a situation that probably would frost most of our fannies. He figured he got shafted. Here his brother hurt his father, wasted a large portion of the family's money. And then when he returns, the old man seems to forget all that and throws the kid a party. The, the older brother thought it was an injustice, an insult to his years of loyalty and faithfulness. As a result, he's filled with spite. He wouldn't celebrate with the family. In reality, he probably wanted his brother to suffer for what he had done to the family. And you've probably been there. You start listing, memorizing all, you know, somebody else's fault, somebody else's sins. In this instance, his bitterness was something that was just tearing him up as he replayed it. Over and over in his mind, his anger, his jealousy caused him to be unthankful for all that his father had done for him. He hadn't hurt his father like he, like his brother had. Yet he was no longer able to see all that, and he could only focus on what he did not have. He could only focus on the source of the bitterness. And if we're honest, we've probably all been in that situation. Whether he knew it or not, his attitude was becoming a bad testimony or had become a bad testimony to all the other servants. It was an opportunity to give an illustration of God's grace in action, but instead they got a lesson of how bitterness turns people ugly and changes their perspectives in a negative way. Bitterness causes a lack of spiritual enthusiasm. We focus inward on ourselves. We're not getting a fair shake, you know, as opposed to the grace of God, which was shown to us on the cross. We get, our focus gets misplaced. God's heart is for people to repent. There is little that makes us less like God than having a heart of condemnation or being unwilling to forgive. If you find yourself spiritually apathetic, not caring, maybe it's because of a resentment which you harbor. When we're all consumed with resentment, we lose interest in the things that are important to God. We're only focused on the things that we think we're getting shafted over. Deep down, we couldn't care less about the internal destiny of those walking by us. I have people, I can think of a couple, and I've tried to restore these relationships, but yet when they walk by me, in church no less, they look the other way. I don't know the source of the hurt. I don't know the source of the anger. I've tried to find out, yet they will just walk by. They're so bitter over something, maybe something I've changed, something I've done that they took personally, and they won't even give me an opportunity. I'm saddened by that. How long has it been since you gave the gospel to somebody? When was the last time you ached for somebody who does not know Christ? Bitterness is a product of forgetting how much that we've been forgiven of. A good mechanism to protect the state of our heart, to remind ourselves of how much we've been forgiven of, is to remind ourselves of the cross every day. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. If we reminded ourselves each day of how much God, and maybe even other people, have forgiven us, it would not be so hard to forgive other people. When we forgive, we, we take ourselves out of the position of passing judgment on another, and we trust God to bring justice to the matter. We're leaving it in His hands. Bitterness has stole the joy of many. My prayer for everyone listening is that you would search your heart for anybody that you're holding a grudge against. I hope that you would make it a point to set that thing right, to begin the reconciliation process. Don't be bitter over a football game or because your team didn't make the playoffs. Before we head into our first commercial break, Zach and I do a segment each week called You Like That. We take a look through the sports world and we try to find something that's encouraging, something that's praiseworthy, something that... We really like And, of course, we use that humorous Kirk Cousins outtake, You Like That, as the theme for it. But this is the You Like That we did during last week's program, December 17th. The title sponsor of the Beyond the Game program is, of course, Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. The second verse of the 103rd Psalm says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson did just that after his name, was announced as the winner of this year's Heisman Trophy award. The 19-year-old wasted no time and got into it right, right before he said anything else. Here's a quote from Lamar Jackson.
2: Um, first and foremost, though, before I want to, um, before I, you know, go further along with my speech, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, without Him, none of us would be here right now tonight.
0: He sounds so nervous. Oh, he, he was, yeah. If you watched, he was very, very nervous. If you're familiar with the Heisman, it's not uncommon for guys to include God on their thank you list and even Johnny Manziel thanked God when he won the award back in 2012 he said most of all i want to thank god for allowing me to be here all that he's blessed me with in my entire life i'm so thankful for thanking god is one thing the high majority of americans believe in god but it's the name of jesus which separates and divides he even says so himself in luke 15 or excuse me uh, 1251 when you follow Jesus, there are going to be those who disassociate with you, and almost certainly there is going to be some division for his sake. So thanking God is one thing, but mentioning Jesus is another. Lamar Jackson was clear. He was bold when he declared on national television his praises and gratefulness to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's what I like this week. You like that?
1: You like that? What I like this week was Jeremy Lynn appearing in an issue of the Totally Awesome Hulk comic book. The writer Greg Pack lived in New York when Linsanity Struck was captivated by it and had been looking and finally found a way to get Lynn into one of his comics. It's not often that the nerd world and the sports world overlap, so that is what I like this week. You like that?
0: You like that? We're going to take a short break, let you hear from some of the folks who make this program possible. You're listening to Benson and Barletta here on the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions.
2: title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town and Country Pest Solutions and they have been for the two plus years the show's been on the air but that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests and I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them I am a happy and satisfied customer they have taken care of a mouse bee ant, and even fly problem for me yes my house is old and falling apart and I get all sorts of pest problems and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic basement or walls if you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't call Town the country they really are the best they guarantee their work and did i mention they're the best save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first Don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that 3 is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God.
0: Are you looking for a great gift for your young baseball player this season? Or perhaps you're just looking for something for them to do over the holiday break from school. Next Pro Training will be hosting their second annual college instructional December 27th through the 29th. The clinic will be a three-day event that is run by current Major League Baseball scouts and college coaches from every level. In addition to the great Next Pro Training staff, there will be 13 different coaches over the course of the three days. Your player will get not only the very best instruction, but more exposure than what most showcases offer. Whether you're a young player looking to work on your fundamentals or a high school player looking to get recruited at the next level, this clinic is for you. The Next Pro Training College Instruction Clinic, December 27th through the 29th. Ages 9 to 13 will start at 2 p.m. and go to 3.30. Ages 14 to 18 will start at 4 and go to 7 p.m. Next Pro Training is located at 1374 Lyle Avenue in the rear of the plaza. For more information, visit nextprotraining.com. That's nextprotraining.com. is here ram sports network christian sports television that's right christian sports television ram sports network is the first christian sports tv channel with programming from peewee to the pros games events sports talk fitness and nutrition sports missions western sports and sports ministry we're spreading the gospel through sports watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku channel store ram sports network more than a game Beyond the Game, talking
1: sports from a different point of view, highlighting the stories and the people of faith. It's not a faith program that includes sports, it's a sports talk show rooted in faith based principles. Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here is your host, Rick Benson.
0: Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program, brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions. Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas to you. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Beyond the Game program. The segment you're about to listen to was done just last week, December 17th. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Mountain View, California's number one rated faith-based sports talk radio program the home of Google, Symantec, Mozilla, many other high-tech companies, the heart of Silicon Valley, the birthplace of Brandon Crawford of the hometown San Francisco Giants. It's also the birthplace of LPGA's Paula Creamer and home of record-setting American powerlifter Dan Green. To all of you tuning in and downloading the podcast in Mountain View, California, we thank you for listening. We thank you, too, wherever you are. You can download the podcast and subscribe so that you never miss out on the riveting opinions and useless information of our great producer, Zach Barletta.
1: I'm impressed with your knowledge of Californian geography. You
0: can find anything on the internet. (laughs) Simply visit our website, btgprogram.com. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Townandcountrysolutions.com. Have a pest problem? Give those folks a call, 585-426-5024. 585-426-5024, Five eight five four two six five zero two four. 5024 Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. There is an interesting situation, Zach, in the NFL, which has caused many to speculate on why the league seems to be taking a much different approach and much less aggressive approach in handling it. After their victory over the New York Giants a few weeks ago, it was revealed that the Giants alerted the league office that some of the footballs Pittsburgh used in the game were less inflated than they should be.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Where have we seen this before? Here
0: we go again. After forcing Steelers turnovers, the Giants tested two footballs on the sideline, both determined to be under league standards. The Giants then forwarded those footballs to the league office. I think it's important to mention that the Giants did not file a formal complaint. They're simply making the league aware about it. Probably because if it comes up again or a few more times, at least Mm -hmm. it's on record. Then it's a pattern. Then it's a pattern. They're just making people aware. And undoubtedly, there are some who are not aware of this most recent deflate gate scenario as a result of the league's, what would you say, delayed response, minimal response to this? It was a
1: very quiet passing story that you almost had to look for to find it. It was completely different than the deflate gate that we all know and love.
0: Yeah, you you had to look for it because the media didn't even give it a lot of attention. You know, and as you said, this is a stark contrast to the New England Patriots, who, of course, were docked a first-round draft pick, and they lost their quarterback, Tom Brady, for four games, suspended for the first part of the season. Now, this could have been a potentially difficult situation for a couple of young actresses, Kate and Rooney Mara. If you did not know, Kate and Rooney are these sisters are the granddaughters of Art Rooney Sr., who founded the Pittsburgh Steelers, and also of Tim Mara, who founded the New York Giants. So these two football teams have common linkage, lineage, I okay. should say, family. So uh, there's probably a good reason the Giants didn't want to really make a big deal about this. You know, they're, they're, there's a friendship there. There's a family there, but... Obviously, the NFL is probably reluctant to go down this road again. Mm-hmm. It got real ugly the first time around. Fans are pretty sick and tired about hearing about Deflate Gate. because the Steelers and the Giants played in frigid temperatures, there's no real surprise that some of the balls were underinflated. Now, I'm no scientist, but my understanding is that is expected to happen. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. <laughs> the league specification is that balls should be inflated between 12.5 and 13.5 psi. The balls the Giants were recovered reportedly measured at 11.4 and 11.8, so there there was a good amount of air missing. But I, again, I'm not a scientist. I, I guess that's what happens. Listeners to this program are a highly intelligent group of people, not to mention extremely good looking as well. But being as sharp as they are, they will be keenly aware of the fact that I am a Giants fan. So before anyone gets crazy, you know, before anyone gets this idea in their head, I'm not suggesting that the Giants loss had anything to do with underinflated footballs. That would be ridiculous to say. Not nor, nor do I think that the NFL should make a big deal of it. I don't think they should or that the media should be maligning the Steelers as a result. Although I would like to have a look at Ben Roethlisberger's phone, I'm sure he's destroyed it by now. But <laughs> the Steelers have followed all appropriate protocol. The league has been very careful to say that all the procedures have been followed. They've dismissed this as a non-story, in the words of head coach Mike Tomlin, and rightly so. At this point, there's no evidence the Steelers did anything wrong. There's only evidence that there were some underinflated footballs that made their way into the game may very well be due to the weather conditions. But that's it. after the way the league went after the Patriots, don't you think they have a responsibility to at least look into it? Absolutely. Regardless of whether or not the Giants filed a formal complaint? After the many black eyes the league has taken in recent years, don't you think it would be appropriate to at least go through the motions? You know, mm. go through, the, just take a look into it. Um, show the fans you're serious about cheating, that they didn't just have an axe to grind with the Patriots, because as far as anybody would know, they absolutely had an axe to grind with oh, the Patriots. Yes. If for nothing more, investigate it so to protect the integrity of the league, dismiss any claims of favoritism or, or of targeting.
1: Now, maybe if the Steelers had been caught videotaping some other teams' practices in the past or something, it would be a little different. But at the same time, the offense is the exact same. It should be treated the exact same.
0: Yeah, and you're right. And that's the point I'll make here in a bit. You know, you got a little ahead of me there. But yeah, the the Patriots have a, a pattern, a history. They've done other things. The Steelers have not done that. They don't have that prior history. But other than a quick comment this past Sunday to make sure people weren't quick to pass judgment, the league just seems very content with the fact that Giants didn't file a formal complaint, so we're not really going to do anything about it. They followed up again on Wednesday with more of a final, well, there's nothing to see here statement from mm-hmm. Commissioner Roger Goodell. But there's been no explanation of how the footballs came to be underinflated. There's no explanation of why this isn't a violation of some sort. And you think that they would at least offer that. Here, Here's why we're not looking into this any further. Here's here's what actually happened. There's been none of that, just the Steelers did everything right. You know, I think he did say something along the lines like, the reason we have the refs measure them is because everybody uses different tools to measure them. So I'm not suggesting that the league should make a big deal of it, but at least provide an explanation and tell us why it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It looks like the league is arbitrarily picking and choosing who it is that – they will accuse and where it will attempt to indict. Now, here's what you don't want. You don't want players turning this into a joke. And Ben Roethlisberger did make a joke about using Nerf balls. <laughs> you know, and while that's funny, if the league is becoming a joke, that's a problem. It's not about the Steelers' guilt. It's not about the Steelers' innocence. It's about the fair treatment of all teams. It's about protecting the character, the integrity of the league. 1 Thessalonians 5:22 says abstain from all appearance of evil. And this is a difficult verse for many. It's a difficult verse for me and I think there's potential to get real legalistic with something like this. We can we, we can't allow ourselves to be dictated by the perception of others. And I can't think I don't think the NFL can allow itself to be dictated by what people think about them, but it should have some bearing You know, we can't be so worried that as believers in Christ, someone may accuse us being addicted to pornography just because we have a TV in our house. We subscribe to a television service which offers such pay-per-view channels. You know, I'm not going to get rid of my TV because somebody might think that. You know, by the same token, if somebody chooses to do that, that's up to them. We can't get so legalistic, so carried away that we criticize anybody who has a backyard fire pit because... It might have been used for a satanic ritual. You know, you can't go there. Uh, you know, obviously I'm using silly and ridiculously disproportionate examples to emphasize the point, but, you know, you may have come across those people who have gotten so carried away. I think unless it's something that's clearly laid out in Scripture, unless it's clearly laid out, we can't just expect other people to live by our standards and by our preferences. There's always going to be somebody who thinks some of the things you do is wrong. At the same time, we can't completely dismiss it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter tells believers to live in such a way that they should, that, that people are unable to talk about them negatively. Live in such a way that they can, they're only left with good things to say about you. And we should take this, we should think, man, I don't want to put myself in a position where people are able to say negative things. But because they're forgiven by God, they should not use the fact that Jesus paid for sin as an excuse to sin and not care about the appearance of to others. Here's 1 Peter chapter two, fifteen and 16. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. In that same chapter, verse 9, Peter describes believers as a royal priesthood, a group of people who Proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our goal as believers is to live righteously before God, to conduct ourselves in such a way that it shows our great God as a great God, one who has saved us from our sins, bringing us out of a dark place, uh, the darkness of sin and into the light of salvation. The NFL's not going to be able to make everybody happy. I'm not going to be able to make everybody happy. You won't either. There will always be people who think that some things they do are out to get certain teams or unfair to certain groups of people. But even though they will never please everyone, they should take some steps, any steps available to them to present themselves as unbiased and true to the things which they care to claim claim to care about. But, you know, there's another perspective on this newest deflate gate situation, and you alluded to it already. Uh, I, I think four games, you know, I do, it was way too much. It was very heavy handed for Tom Brady.
1: Especially when the fine that's in the rule book or the penalty that's in the rule book is a fine.
0: But the New England Patriots, as you said, they only need to look in the mirror for why the NFL went after them so hard. The, you know, some of the things that they've done you mentioned that the steelers had not been caught videotaping another team's practice and the arrogance of the patriots is really what rubs some people wrong in this face of accusations over deflate gate they flatly denied it and all the things that they've been accused of over the years they've 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 handled that with a lot of arrogance with a lot of pride and i can't say if this is accurate or not but I'm not the only one to whom the Patriots appeared as though they thought themselves above it all. Would you agree with that? They they almost acted oh, like they're, you know, they're better than everyone else. And well, I guess in many ways they are. But um, there was no small amount of pride or, uh, and arrogance when it came to the Patriots. And there's no doubt that's part of why the league went after them as forcefully as they did. There's a list of sins, Zach, in 2 Timothy, in the third chapter, which resembled the attitude of the that the patriots seem to have. And let me let me read those verses to you. It's um 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verses 2 to 4. It says for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, br- brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of good. And I'm not saying that the patriots are all these things. But a couple of those, you can say the, the arrogance, you know, the boastfulness. The As a result of their pride and of their arrogance, the patriots, they denied their sins. They were so prideful they wouldn't even see it. They were unable to escape the consequence then of those sins because they refused to acknowledge them. That list likely contains at least one, probably more sins which befalls all of us. You know, which is yours if you're listening right now? What is yours out of that list? The bottom line is most of us love pleasure more than we love God. Our pride can cause us to deny our sins. We stand defiant in the face of them. We deny God. But ultimately, we're not going to be able to escape the consequence of those sins. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, death waits all of us. And before it does eventually come, and it will, you need to do something about the the price of your sin. If you die in your sins, meaning you've never sought God's forgiveness, you've never made peace with him, then falling short of the glory of God means separation from him. It's an eternity away from him. It's, it's hell. The amazing thing, Jesus Christ has already paid the debt of our sin. He freely gave up his life as a sacrifice on the cross to pay for those sins. He's the only one who could because he lived a life without sin. Therefore, he's the only one who could rightly stand before a holy God. If you've come to the place in your life where if you've gotten right with God, when he looks at your sin, he sees the blood of his son which covers it. His sacrifice at the cross is sufficient to redeem the sins of every man, woman, and child who's ever lived but we must accept the free gift of eternal life. That means simply admitting to God that you are a sinner and that you know the cross is not only true, but it's sufficient. Admitting to God that you believe Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death. Asking God to forgive you of those sins and accept him as your Savior from an eternity in hell. You won't be perfect, but your sins will cause you sorrow. You'll be changed so that you're burdened by your sin. Only God can move one's heart in that direction. And I wonder if he's speaking to you today. I just want to leave you with two more verses. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Admit to God that you are a sinner. Repent of those sins. Don't allow your pride to keep you from acknowledging them. And then ask him to forgive you and to save you. Thanks for sticking with us. As with anything you hear on our program, you can reach out to us through our website or our studio line. btgprogram.com is where you can find us. If there's anything we can do to help, you want to learn more about being a Christian, or even if you just want someone to pray for you, we'd be honored to be there to help. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country. Best Solutions.
2: title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town and Country Pest Solutions and they have been for the two plus years the show's been on the air but that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests and I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them I am a happy and satisfied customer they have taken care of a mouse bee ant, and even fly problem for me yes my house is old and falling apart and I get all sorts of pest problems and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic basement or walls if you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't call Town the country they really are the best they guarantee their work and did i mention they're the best save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first Don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that 3 is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God.
3: Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, President of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA National Championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu.
0: Are you looking for a great gift for your young baseball player this season? Or perhaps you're just looking for something for them to do over the holiday break from school. NEXT Pro Training will be hosting their second annual college instructional December 27th through the 29th. The clinic will be a three-day event that is run by current Major League Baseball scouts and college coaches from every level. In addition to the great NEXT Pro Training staff, There will be 13 different coaches over the course of the three days. Your player will get not only the very best instruction, but more exposure than what most showcases offer. Whether you're a young player looking to work on your fundamentals or a high school player looking to get recruited at the next level, this clinic is for you. The Next Pro Training College Instruction Clinic, December 27th through the 29th. Ages 9 to 13 will start at 2 p.m. and go to 3.30. Ages 14 to 18 will start at 4 and go to 7 p.m. Next Pro Training is located at 1374 Lyle Avenue in the rear of the plaza. For more information, visit nextprotraining.com. That's nextprotraining.com. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior,
1: I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal's secure servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support.
3: Oh, figgy pudding. It's made with figs. Oh, sorry. And
0: bacon. What? Welcome back hey, into the show. Thrilled to have you along as part of this encore presentation of the Beyond the Game program. Want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah? This next segment you're about to hear was part of our October 22nd broadcast of this year, just a few weeks ago. I like it. Not usually your style, but it is certainly mine. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. We spoke earlier in a program about the NFL and its inconsistency in a number of areas, especially in the area of player discipline. You know, Tom Brady, again, I'm not defending. I just don't understand how he gets hit with a suspension for a quarter of the season, while a guy like Vontez Berfic gets a minimal fine and, you know, no suspension, despite the league acknowledging his unnecessary roughness. So before the season began, the New York Giants kicker Josh Brown was hit with a one-game suspension for domestic violence. It just, it didn't sit right. The fact that the charges had been dropped, that there was no condemning video, you were you were left feeling like sort of like, well, I guess you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but deep down, something didn't feel right about it. And you know, to hear the Giants ownership say that they had all the information and felt comfortable re-signing him. Uh, you know, just left me kind of conflicted, a little unsure what to think about, but what do I know? You know, they're closer to the situation. What do I know? Part of that is that the New York Giants have always been one of the classier organizations in in the NFL. They've been stable. They've been run by the same family for years. I trusted that they had a good handle on things, but now with new information that came out this week, I can't help but wonder what the Giants knew, and you know, when did they know it? It In documents released by King County Sheriff's Office in in the state of Washington, Brown admits to horrific abuse against his wife, his now ex-wife, Molly. He says, I have physically, mentally, emotionally, and verbally been a repulsive man. I have abused my wife. And he gets even more specific. I have been a liar for most of my life. I made selfish defenses decisions to use and abuse women starting at the age of seven to fill this void. I objectified women and never really worried about the pain and hurt I caused them. My ability to connect emotionally to other people was zero. My empathy levels were zero because I never handled these underlying issues if I became an abuser and hurt Molly physically, emotionally, and verbally. I mean, this is tough stuff. Mm -hmm. I I viewed myself as God, basically, and she was my slave. In another document, Brown labeled himself a porn addict, saying he viewed pornography on a consistent basis to manage my desire for physical contact. I, I, I developed into a sexual deviant that viewed sex as a sport. His wife is on record saying that Brown uh, had threatened to kill her four or five times. I mean, you have to think that. And, and th- listen, it's this came out Wednesday we're recording this program on Thursday. I suspect much will change before it airs on Saturday morning. But mm-hmm. the Giants have decided not to take them to London. I'm sure the NFL is reinvestigating. The Giants have a decision make. But um, are you comfortable now knowing all this with a one-game suspension? You know, I'm not. The Giants need to fire him. They need to cut them. Now, without hesitation, before he plays another down, and and probably that's what's happening with him not taking him to to London for the game, they they signed him to a two-year, $4 million contract.
1: Yeah, and I would have been okay with the one-game suspension and taking him back and stuff, except that the stuff that you read, he wrote a while ago, correct? Right. So he has known for a period of time that he had this problem He even mentions in that document, this happened because I didn't handle it and I let it go. Well, he continued to let it go and not handle it, and it happened again. So, if he clearly knows he's got a problem, he does nothing about it, that's where he's in the camp now of he deserves whatever he gets and I don't feel bad for him.
0: I agree, and... I think the Giants had to know this too. I'm a little surprised. They say they had the information and re signed him. I I'm sure we'll hear more about that, but signing him to a 4 million dollar 2-year extension, they they have to pay him. You know, mm. fire him, terminate him, but write the check. Get him the help though uh, that he needs. Help him fi- help him find help to deal with the sickness. It's easy for me to justify the, the cutting him, the termination as you just said. This information might be new to us, but he's known it. He knew the truth while he was fighting this one-game suspension way back when. He said in August, he doesn't agree with the suspension, but he'd accepted. it. He, I have exhausted the appeals process. You know, he made it seem like this one-game suspension was too severe, despite knowing that in reality, his mental abuse was no less horrific than Ray Rice's physical abuse. It's just that Ray Rice was caught on video. Uh, you know, I Yeah, I think the Giants need to cut him uh, for being intentionally and knowingly deceitful, but they also need to have the integrity to pay him, and, and they're obligated, and they need to be a friend by helping them find help to get better. And this is not uncommon behavior by many who suffer with a pornography addiction. Women become objectified. Uh, the sexual degradation just grows. Violence is often an eventual side effect to this. If you have an addiction to pornography, don't wait. Get help. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a friend. There are a number of faith-based organizations that can help, places like triplexchurch.com but get help before your addiction turns uglier. Stat- Studies indicate as much as 70% of American men regularly view on- online pornography, and as much as 30% of American women The staggering thing about pornography is that it's almost as prominent within the church as outside it. Mm -hmm. Some studies show that 50%, 50% of Christian men and 20% of Christian women regularly use pornography. Now, based on those numbers, almost certainly you know somebody, and somebody listening is one of those people secretly addicted to To pornography. I don't have the exact numbers, but there's a significant number of pastors and church leaders who are addicted to pornography. It's obvious, it's a tool of the devil to destroy families.
1: And that's one thing I would say if you're listening and you struggle with this, as someone who's experienced it myself, that um, one of the side effects of a pornography addiction is that it, it causes you to feel alone and uh ashamed and guilty and you feel like if you were to go to somebody about it that oh you would be humiliated and they would look down on you. This is so commonplace and so widespread. Chances are somebody that you could go to talk to about this that you trust will not be shocked because it's so commonplace. You are not the only one that's dealing with it.
0: First Thessalonians five twenty two says abstain from every form of evil like adultery, fornication, homosexuality, incest, etc., other forms of sexual immorality, the use of pornography is also a sin. Among the lists of sins, which are the works of the flesh, which is found in Galatians 5.19, Sexual immorality. Is Thanks for listening there. to Beyond the Game. Beyond Jesus the Game been brought to, to you by Town and Country Solutions. TownandCountrySolutions dot com. Give a them a call for has 5024 with her Tell them Benson and Barlow sent the Saints. Zach, I'm Benson. Lord willing, willing we'll be back together again next week, right here at the same time. Be great this week, everybody. Get help. And the same goes for you, women. Hebrews thirteen four says that marriage is to be held in honor among all, and that. The marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. That means for those of you who are single and using pornography, it's fornication. It's sin. So biblically, it doesn't matter if you're single or if you're married. Pornography is sin. Get help. At some point, you can no longer live in denial. You need to repent. You need to seek God's forgiveness. Some would say that pornography is a victimless crime, but that's garbage. It's not. You know, both those who are featured in it and who are objectified through it, as well as those who are consuming pornography, are hurt by it. It's destroying lives. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying families.
1: Josh Brown's wife was very affected by it.
0: And and Josh Brown, too. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you're thinking that the urge is too strong, that the pull of pornography is too much to resist. But the Bible says that that's just not so. First Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation is overtaking you, but as such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Listen, we have a problem in America with pornography. It is a sin that is destroying families. If you have an addiction to pornography, you need to know that you can escape it. Jesus Christ can break the bonds of addiction. Based on statistics, a significant number of people listening to this program right now, saved or unsaved, have are suffering with such an addiction. Get help. Join me in praying for Josh Brown and others like him. We, we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for those that are battling this awful addiction. And we need to pray for guys like Josh Brown. Prayer is one of the strongest resources we have. Well, there you have it. That's it for this encore presentation of the Beyond the Game program. On behalf of Zach and everybody involved here at Beyond the Game, I want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah. I do hope Christmas morning will find you in your favorite place of worship. And let's remember that Jesus is the reason for the season But it's because of our sin that he came as that humble baby in Bethlehem so many years ago with the sole purpose of dying for our sins. Let's celebrate that this Christmas morning. Once again, Merry Christmas, everybody, and may God bless each one of you very richly. And before we end the show, let me just take you out with one of Zach's favorite holiday classics. Be great this week, everybody.
2: (laughs) I'm <laughs>
0: going <laughs>